1. Turn to Psalm 133. I think at one point Timmy had mentioned this also. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life, forevermore. We want to look at unity among God's people. Unity among you and I when we're praying, coming into unity in prayer, agreeing with one heart together in prayer as well. And you know, maybe sometimes people are praying and they do strike, as it were, that chord of, you know, this is right, this is true, this is real. Be afraid to amen and focally say, Lord, I agree, amen with that. But here it is more the heart coming together, and that's why we're here. It says, behold how good and how pleasant it is. Notice it isn't, is it? And sometimes we get our different views on how a prayer meeting or any meeting goes, and it's not how we view it, it's what God commands in it. And it's how we come to it. If we come expecting, God will meet us in our expectation. If we come unified in one body, with one heart and mind, God will hear and answer our prayers. And pour out a blessing upon us. So behold how good, how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Just flick back to Psalm 16 for a moment. Just to give you an idea of how good and how pleasant this is. Psalm 16. And just go right down to the very last verse. Thou wilt show me the path of life, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. See the word pleasures there. It's the exact same word for how good and how pleasant, for pleasant it is. So when we look at how we want to measure then, if we're together in unity, how good can it be? I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about the blessing of God, I'm talking about the reality of his presence, and I'm talking about how God moves in that blessing. How strong is it? How real is it? Well, here is a word that means the same. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In other words, the pleasures at God's right hand are yours and they're mine. And the word pleasures, as I said, is the same. The word here, in thy presence is fullness, is the word podnim, the podnim of God. And it gives the idea of where when we worship as God's people, God turns his face. It means the face off. How good and how pleasant it is to, uh, uh, for us to dwell together in unity, but when we worship, God's presence comes. In thy presence is fullness of joy. The presence, the podnim, or it means God is everywhere. He is the eternal spirit, but it gives the ideas like God turns when he hears his people pray. God turns to unity. God turns to worship. And he turns his face, as it were. And he expresses himself in his presence. 
He lets himself be made known in his presence. He reveals and he manifests his spirit and his presence, or he shows his face. You, you and I talk about someone showing their face. They've turned up. They've came in. And it's the exact same God, as it were, even though he's everywhere. He makes himself known. He turns up, as it were. He comes into our midst, and he dwells among that unity. So that's how good and how pleasant it is. Is God will turn his face, and at his right hand, the right hand is fellowship. He fellowships with that. And at the right hand is power and authority. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That means he's given all power and authority in heaven and earth unto him. And he's seated right at the right hand of the Father. The man in the glory, that means he is seated in the place of power and authority in glory. That's what that means. And so what we're looking at tonight is, well, Lord, tell us, how good and how pleasant is it? He says it is good and pleasant, not is it. You see, if you and I come with the attitude of we don't want, really want to worship, or we don't even feel like it worship, and we're not going to try and enter into worship, or we're not going to try and even enter in, when others are praying, maybe not even to stand up, and we've been, uh, you know, we, we have been uh, encouraged to stand up and pray and speak out. And listen, and there are many people that can't, and that's okay if that's what you feel. But if you've got that, you know, I, I, I've always wanted to pray, and I've been afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to pray. Stand up and pray. We're not counting prayers. We're not marking prayers. God's not looking, as it's been said. He's not looking for your oratory. He's looking for your heart. That's all he wants. He wants your heart. And whenever we are together in unity behind that person, that man, that woman, whoever's praying, then we find God will pour a blessing there. He'll hear, he'll answer, and he'll pour out the blessing. So it says here, it's not how good is it, but God says how good it is. It is. And there are pleasures in him there. So behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. If you look at Psalm 135, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord for his name is good. Sing praises unto his name for it is pleasant. It's the exact same word here. Again, it's the the pleasures and the pleasant. It's the same word. And the idea here is when we gather together with one heart to worship, to praise. Every time, there's times I stand up and I'm going to play and I say, Lord, I haven't announced what we're going to do tonight. And Tracy says to me, what are we doing? I went, I don't really know. It's maybe, we'll strike something up and see how the Spirit leads us here. And, and Whenever we stand up and we step out in faith and in unity, thinking, Lord, this is going to be unto you. I'm not here to, I mean, let's face it, I'm not going to win the X factor, you know. But at the same time, it's, my, it's a joyful noise unto the Lord. Yes. I don't want to either, like, you know, but, but at the same time, it's a joyful noise unto the Lord. You and I have been afforded a greater privilege to sing before God than a whole panel of people who can tell us whether they want us through or not. And God says, do you come sing before me? I'm the God of the whole universe. Never mind anybody else. So he wants you to enter in. He wants me to enter in. He wants us to be unified, to sing together, to pray together, to be together, focus together on him, and let's set all other things down. And so it is pleasant. In other words, there's, there's things that in God that we haven't tasted yet that God will give to us. There's a pleasantness in God, a privilege in God as well. So 
How behold, and by the way, the word behold, it actually is an alarming shout. Uh, in other words, now looky here, it means how good and how pleasant it is. Now you look how good and how pleasant it is. And there's times you come in and you just feel tired or you feel annoyed or you feel upset or, or you just feel just the run of the mill of the day has just wore you out a little. But whenever you come aside here, this is the sanctuary from away from the world. This is where during the week, and on, on, on the Lord's Day too, this is during the week, where you and I come together to be unity and like-minded people where there's no pollution of the world and we're here to be refreshed in God. And, and, and sometimes you come with all these things swirling around your head. I do, you do, we all do. But whenever we focus on him, he's there and he's saying, no, come together and worship me and see me, how pleasant it is. And see the oil poured out, the oil of mine anointing. The Shemin, that is. It's where we get Gethsemane from, where Christ suffered in the garden. It means the place of anointing oil. So whenever we look at this, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I want to look now at the little word unity more. Okay? So go to Exodus 19 and verse 8. Uh, we, we will not read a lot into this, but in Exodus 19, this is what's known as the marriage ceremony of Israel with Jehovah. Um, he comes down on the mountain, gives him the tablets of the law. Israel at the foot of the mountain. Moses is the officiator. And he says, the Lord wants to make you his peculiar treasures, peculiar people. And the Lord says, if he'll, you'll be his bride, if you'll accept his commandments and his ways and him as your God. And, and so they're accepting. Look at what it, look what it says. Let's go verse 7. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. So the Lord sends them down and says, if the people agree, I'll be their God. Pour out the blessing. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Now, in verse 8 there it says, and all the people answered together. I note that, you can mark that. All the people answered together. In other words, with one heart, as one man, as one crescendo, they said, we will. And they became Yahweh's bride and now his wife. Okay, so all the people answered together. Unity came and God became their God. Protection for them direction for them supplying their need everything they needed because they came together but in the same time you find throughout this whenever Israel sinned God did chastise and that's what happens God chastises those he loves but when we come together we find favour in his sight and all the people all of us should be answering together we're here for you Lord we're here to pray for others. We're here to pray for the work. We're here to pray for whatever you're laying on our hearts. And we're here with one heart. It's not many hearts here as we are here tonight, but it's all one heart. All in unity. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy chapter 22. Notice this, when you go through this chapter, we're only going to pick one verse out, but when you go through this chapter, it's about mixing cloths and, uh, and fabrics and so on, and God didn't want them to be mixing. 
because it wasn't a unified fabric even. But notice what it says in verse 10. Deuteronomy 22 and 10. Thou shalt not play with an ox and an ass together. In other words, there's no unity in this. Thou shalt not play with an ox and an ass together. You get the yoke of the play and they put it on uh, the, the ox and they need another animal. And if they put an, uh, an ass in it or a donkey type animal in it, the two of them were different strengths. They worked at different speeds. They, weren't, they were in harness, but they were not working together. And so the furrows that they were pulling, God says, that's not going to apply a straight furrow. This is actually taken into the New Testament as well. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells you and die. Let your eye run down to verse 14. And we can't make light of this because this is what God says to us. And yet there's so many Christians and they just, they just ignore these things. Verse 14, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. In other words, you can't marry an unsaved man or woman if you're saved. And you can't walk with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. Notice this. Here's what it says. Be not unequally yoked. Where's the yoke for the ass and the, dunk, the, ass and the, and the ox? It doesn't work, he says. It doesn't play a straight furrow. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? In other words, you're, you're walking entirely differently than the, from the other person. And the life that we used to live, we can't walk it anymore because, well, really, when you're saved, you don't want to walk it anymore. But whenever you're saved, you, you realize the darkness of it. And so you don't walk it anymore. And some people try and live the two lives together where we'll go out with these group of unsaved people and run with them for a bit. And then on Sundays, we're in church and we're praising God. And the horse says, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And even when you're going home, and I know, you know, it's difficult. There's uh, people have got saved, and they're, they've been, um, you know, their their partner, husband, wife, you know, they're they're there, and it's difficult because they go home and they're wanting to share what's happening in their life, and they're wanting to share what God's speaking to them about, they want to share what's happened in church, even, and they feel like they really can't because the other person doesn't understand it, and it's difficult. It pulls harder with them. It pulls harder. But notice what it says here in verse 15. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part of he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and will be their God and they shall be my people. So here the Lord is talking about religions, different false religion, even someone who is a born-again Christian and saying, well, we're going to go here one day and then we're going to go to the house of idols the next. It doesn't work. You need to be grounded in a, in a Bible-believing church. You need to be grounded in the, to get grounded in the faith. So, let's go back. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and says, Thou shalt not play with an ox and an ass together. 
In other words, there's no unity there. There's no unity in 2 Corinthians 6. The yoke will not pull right. And what happened was one of the, one of the animals would be stronger than the other. They'll not, be, they'll not be equally yoked. And one ends up pulling the other animal and tearing itself and collapsing. Or another animal, uh, it's faster and it's one to push on and it burns itself out quicker than the one that doesn't want to walk. So they're unequally yoked. There's no unity and there's no blessing. There's no straight furrow. Now, if you can find the wee book of Amos, if you can find the wee book of Amos, go to Amos chapter 3. You'll find Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Chapter 3. We're just going to lift out a wee verse as well. Verse 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Simple, isn't it? Can two walk together except they be agreed? See, unless two parties are in the same mindset, unless two parties are in the same agreement, it's never going to work. It just doesn't work. Alison told me that her granny on her mummy's side gave her a piece of advice when she first got saved and said, Alison, always, for, when you're looking for a husband, Look for someone who loves the Lord. More, more than yourself. I don't say I do love love the Lord more than Alison, but I love him. He's my life. I I don't have an angle on him. I have my family, don't get me wrong, my wife and children. But I'm talking about outside of him. I don't even have any hobbies. (laughs) He's just, I love him. He just... I don't know anything else. And so she's seen that, she says, in me, and that's what caught her attention, plus my blue eyes. (laughs) 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 Or was it the blue eyes first? The blue eyes first, like the blue eyes. I said, so if I got my eye put out, I said, you wouldn't wouldn't want me anymore. No. (laughs) But, But, you know, but again, it's the... It's the two walking together. And if, if they can't agree, it's so hard and so difficult. And if two are even in a church assembly, it can really hinder the blessing if they're not together. You know, if there's division in the church, there has to be a unifying spirit in the church. So the Lord really wants unity, for he says it's there. He commands the blessing in Psalm 133. Where unity is, he commands a blessing. Let's look at it briefly in the New Testament. Turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, please. And we want to go to Acts chapter 2. Now, this was mentioned too the other week by Timmy as well. But unity brings blessing. Unity brings blessing. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, not some, but they were all, with one accord in one place. That's unity. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and set upon each of them. Notice. And they were all filled. See the word all being used here? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because of every man heard them speak in his own language, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own language wherein we were born? In other words, the blessing came on them, and the supernatural power came upon those outside. The Spirit flowed through the unity. And the spirit flowed out into the street when they went into the street. And it's they then heard, they're speaking with tongues, and they're hearing it in all their own different languages. In other words, the spirit was the interpreter of his own word, of his own language, of his own tongue. So if you want, go to Acts chapter 4. I'll just let you run down then to verse 31. Now notice this for unity. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Where they assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of, notice, one heart and of one soul Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. In other words, the unity went to such an extent, they said, what's mine is yours in the very church, and what's yours is mine. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even people talk about as tithe in a New Testament concept. We'll not go into that tonight. But they're saying, you know, oh, we shouldn't be tithing. Well, then here's the New Testament concept. Give everything, throw your house into it. <laughs> if that's what you want to do. So go to Ephesians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 4. Let your eye run down just verse 11. And he gave some apostles, this is the risen Christ, the ascended Lord. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness 
of Christ. All of these ministries were set in the church to bring them into one faith, to bring us into unity, that we would become more like Christ. Now, when Jesus prayed, there wasn't one prayer that wasn't heard. And there wasn't one prayer that wasn't answered. And he said at the grave, said to Lazarus, he says, Father, I know that thou hearest me always. Always. And I love, I just say this and we'll finish. I love the old hymn that Charles uh, Wesley wrote. And the first is, the father hears him pray. His dear anointed one, he cannot turn away the presence of his son. And that's so true. Hymnology isn't always good, isn't always good theology. But that's good. Because Christ is in the glory praying. And when we're unified in the spirit, we're one with him. And we, as it were, are in Christ in heavenly places, praying before the Father, right in his presence. So let's turn the face of God here. We don't need uh, to go in and sing a lot of songs. We can sit and we can stand and pray. We can sit and pray. And just let the Lord move upon you. And maybe you want to pray. Listen, don't, if we all pray for one thing, we're only going to get one thing prayed for. But get up.